0: Sounds good. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the MapRound Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we are talking to entrepreneurs and CEOs all about their epic business blunders and with us in the hot seat today uh, is the founder and CEO of a number of companies but for today (laughs) there's going to be one elevator pitch it's uh, Dapper Care Um, and his name is David I'm going to hopefully he's pronounced the surname correctly Pitchkofsky.
1: Yeah it was almost perfect. Ah, Legend
0: that's what i did. yes Right. righty not my first radio david okay (laughs) all right buddy well uh, let's uh you know it's coming you've been following the show and stuff so what is the elevator pitch for uh, dapper care yeah so uh dapper
1: care is a provides high quality affordable health care uh in minutes not days that's my um the short version
0: so it, there's lots of talk about healthcare and issues here and so forth, which was always amazing to me uh, coming from an emerging market where like South Africa, where, you know, healthcare seems to be more robust and, and so forth. But what, what is the actual issue here when you say healthcare reimagined? like walk us through what's the, um, what are you guys actually doing there?
1: Yeah. So the problem is, is that, you know, in the U.S., which uh, you know, every we it's a great place to live, except for the healthcare system is broken and antiquated, um, and people struggle to get the care they need when they need it. Um, embarrassing doctor visits are, you know, they're inconvenient, costly, and inaccessible to the average American. So, you know, we've got, you know. Uh, a good percentage of the people in the U S live in primary care deserts where, um, it's healthcare is unaccess- inaccessible. So they have to travel, um, an hour and a half to see a doctor okay. and the people that do live, you know, like I live in California. Um, the average uh, time to get in to see your primary care doctor is, um, 26 days, um, which is you know crazy. And not even getting into the whole health insurance piece. So, um, yeah. So that's the problem, and it's um, it's it's
0: just inaccessible to the average American. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And South African living in <laughs> living in America, pal. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's lots of innovation happening in the space. There, eh? like the guy, uh, I forget his name now, Andy something, uh, but he runs Crowd Health. It's like Crowdfunding for healthcare. So let's say you break your ankle, or whatever, and um, and you you don't want to go through the insurance route, the typical you know health insurance route. Right. Um, you actually get crowdfunded by other people in that crowd health network, which is pretty uh, cool. Cool, I like it. Yeah, it's cool.
1: Or you know we're a ca- <clears throat> we're a cash pay only um, solution. So the idea is that you're going to um, get access to high quality, affordable healthcare um, with Medication, uh, free of, delivered, free of charge to your home, uh, for and twenty four seven access to a healthcare provider for less than the typical co-payment. so mm. seventy to one hundred dollars each mm. month. Um, so we're anti health insurance, um, although you know we we know you need it for you know invasive surgeries and that kind of thing, but or seventy percent of uh, you know the issues that people have uh, can be treated with telehealth, which means that our solution um,
0: can be a a viable option for people. Well, as long as it's viable, dude, let's make it work. We need more more healthcare innovation, that's for sure. So look, um, let's get into the meat, the potatoes of this one. Uh, What is your epic story of fail for our audience around the world today?
1: Oh, I've got lots. Um, Where do I start? But, I think the biggest one that comes to mind, which was, you know, kind of the uh well it was the 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 turning point for me to actually um launch Care, was uh back in 2020. Uh so I've uh, just a, a brief background. So I I've been a serial entrepreneur. This is my 15th company that I've launched. And uh, I've been in the health and wellness space for, uh, 23 years selling direct to consumer marketing, uh, you know, mostly in the nutraceutical space, but lots of different health wellness products. Um, I've kind of perfected that. And my claim to fame is, you know, I've sold a billion dollars in, in these products to our the consumers, this niche audience. So, um, but depending on whatever the trend is uh my marketing company we kind of pivot to sell these products so in 2020 with the covid and everything um it was just natural for us to pivot and start uh you know offering treatments and different products that related to COVID 19 and you know exercise diet products people you know they can't don't have access to all this stuff at home a lot of it was drop shipping but and then you know pharmaceuticals and stuff like um immunity boosters and this kind of stuff anyways um we it's giving me anxiety talking about it just kidding <laughs> so we launched the business uh or launched this vertical in uh right when COVID hit, and we were we started testing it and and part of our marketing uh, company, which is called Branded, um, we have an affiliate network as well that drives a lot of traffic for us. So we don't tend to have a slow ramp up or kind of like a rocket ship, um, which is exciting for investors, but it's um, quite a ride for the people that are you know on my team. But um, so we launched it and the first month we did $20,000 um, while we were testing things and getting, you know, figuring out which products we we're going to convert and stuff. Um, our second month, we did 800000 And we doubled every month after that. Um, and things were, you know, after doing this long enough, you kind of learn, you know, you, you're able to, you know, foresee it, you know, when problems are going to arise. But the problem is, is that it's in our, it, you know, I think it's just in our DNA that we're naturally a little bit greedy. <laughs> you know, it's hard to, hard to uh, resist um, sometimes when you're on, the, you're riding the wave. That's what we call riding the wave. But it's like um, we were growing too fast. Is really the bottom line. We were um, scaling up. You know, we started. We had I think five people um, that were on this team and um, and when by the times so that we launched in like february by the time summer hit uh we were up to 70 employees um and this is all self-funded like myself and at this point and um i had another partner that i've had for 20 years with me and uh you know things were were manageable but see the i guess you know the the biggest problem with in the drop shipping business and e-commerce is high risk, um, or anything that's nutraceutical related. And, uh, the merchant accounts are, um, they don't, they're, well, you have to have high risk merchant accounts. They don't have very big of, uh, um, limits on them. So you have to have lots of them and it's, um, it's a stressful business. I wouldn't recommend it for anybody, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, we, we basically were adding them as fast as we could and scaling up because we were, you know, we were projected to do 30 million our first year. Um, and come January or let's see July, I'm sorry. Uh, we actually uh, went in, it was a Thursday, I remember. And we were, our, our publishers said, well, it's going to be a big weekend. And we're going to really crank things up everything looking okay inventory merchant accounts check 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 we called our our rep um at chase not to name names but um and chase rep said oh yeah everything looks good your chargebacks are below point one, point zero one 0.01 percent or something extremely low um have at it so we you know we uh unleashed hell and um we did 1.8 million over the weekend and uh which was awesome but you know it's the most frightening thing on the weekends because no one's around and if anybody that knows from you know digital marketing when you've got these campaigns rolling you can't just stop them so if you run into problems they just everything kind of goes to hell and uh we you know we we said well if everything works out here we're gonna be happy campers and if not um i'm gonna be you know ready to jump off a bridge so uh monday came and uh no deposit All right, and tuesday no no nope, no funds called the rep they said yeah, everything looks good though we don't i don't think there's an issue i'd just be patient so we waited end of the week didn't come Anyways, long story short, those funds, uh, 1.8 million were held for, they ended up being held for a year and a half. So, and legally they can hold them for, um, they can hold them for up to six months after the last chargeback that comes in, which is, and there's a lot of gray area there too. So, um, but yeah, we even sued them, cost us a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, And they finally released them. But see, the problem is with this is that we didn't have any chargebacks. We weren't doing anything wrong. But their system, which was on high alert because of um, what they call friendly fraud, which is the biggest problem in the industry when it comes to causing chargebacks. And friendly fraud, and I think we've probably all been um, guilty of it, but it's it's when you see a transaction and don't recognize it. Because the descriptor in your on your statement, and so you just dispute it. Because it's really they make it so easy to do. Mm. When that happens, um, we get well. What happens is the money gets. We have to refund the money, and then we get charged the uh, chargeback fee, and then we have to pay a chargeback company like Chargeback Three Sixty to um, dispute these things and and fight them. And it's a big pain in the ass. But anyways, so once that happened, uh, it was like, okay, these funds are frozen, and we're cashing cash out. And what do we do? You know, uh, it's like, we could have a million dollars in the account at the beginning of the day and have 10,000 at the end of the day, because we were paying for our, our product that's going in and out and in, in the marketing. So, um, so we thought fast and, and acted fast and We were lucky because uh, at the time um, our partners that were helping us run the affiliate side, um, we raised, they helped us raise capital. We raised uh, $3 million actually in two weeks, which is a record considering fundraising is a pain in the ass, another whole subject, but um, we did it. And, but the problem was, is that we covered the, you know, we got the product out. But the problem is, is that you, you know, and now I know this, but it's like the damage is already done. You just don't see the effects of it for two, three months down the road. Because what happens is it takes a while for the chargebacks to come in. People wait and then they, you know, the, the product gets shipped and you have to get your customer service to have full autonomy to try to refund everybody. And they're not asking for the product back, so You're eating the cost of the product and the refund and the chart and the charges. And it's, um, it's a pain in the ass. So long story short, it's just uh, we recovered from it, but it was a short term recovery um, because we kept scaling up and um, eventually our, our costs, our overhead just got to be ridiculous. I mean, we were operating at like a, $400,000 Four hundred thousand dollar burner rate or something like that on a you know weekly basis or something. So um, we ended up shutting the business down at the well, shutting that part of the business down at the end of
0: the year. <laughs> Dude, what a crazy story, man! <clears throat> crazy, crazy story. So when you think about that whole experience, what what stands out for you as like key a key lesson that you now take forward with you in your sort of entrepreneurial journey?
1: Uh, um, don't get into the internet business. No, no,
0: I, uh, no, it,
1: I think, you know, it's, it's like, I think what it comes down to is honestly, it's, you really have to, you know, follow what your gut feeling on things and not what, you know, everybody else is telling you or what that, you know, there's that, there's kind of like, when you have enough experience that my gut was telling me, don't scale up, you know, don't scale up this quickly, you know, um, because they say, realistically, if you want to keep your mids or your merchant accounts healthy, um, or, you know, and this could be for any business, you're never supposed to scale more than like, 10 to 20% on a monthly basis. And I mean, this is even and I know, this becomes a problem too, when you're, especially if you're venture backed, um, because your investors are, you know, barking at you to get things cranking. And so, you know, you want to scale up. And I mean, we had over 200 mids merchant accounts at that time. So just to give you an idea, it's, cr- it's crazy. Um, but the problem that we really made, and this doesn't, you know, relate to everybody, but us was, uh, because we didn't, we weren't prepared initially um, for this, just we didn't know it was going to scale up so fast. We didn't have the mids or the the merchant accounts, enough of them set up yet. And so we leaned on our our main uh, merchant account through Chase because we had, you know, 20 bank accounts with them and we thought we had a good enough relationship. There wasn't issues. Don't ever do that. It's just... For what? Yeah, don't ever bank with Chase. I don't. But, but I mean, um, but just you know, any any of them, you know, it's just, you. It's like putting all your eggs in one basket. It's mm-hmm. a dangerous, dangerous move because you don't realize how much, like, control um, the banks have, you know, over your money. I mean, they've got you by the gonads. So,
0: mm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's uh, not ideal, dude. It's not a, not an ideal situation, right? But um if you uh, if you could uh David no. get into the map show time machine and kind of go back to yourself when all this stuff was happening, what would you do differently and why? I mean apart from, you know, banking with Chase, what have you, but um what would you do differently?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think um So, I mean, it really, if I would have completely did it differently, um, you know, getting to why I started Dapper, well, Dapper was, uh, you know, created out of the fact that uh, of a necessity, but it was kind of like, I created Dapper because it fixed all of the things that I've done wrong or had issues with um, over the years, and especially with this last the way the business was before um because now we're not selling nutraceuticals uh, which are unregulated and you know i felt like a snake oil salesman even though i could, you know i was able to sell a lot of them and they actually work for people because the fact that it's a lot of it's mental in your head you know it's uh it's placebo effect but now we, everything that we sell, even if it's an over-the-counter product, um, all of our treatments are FDA approved, um, and they're managed, you know, by, you it over by a doctor. So they're, um, prescription only. So because of that, now it's heavily regulated. Um, our merchant accounts, we're able to use any merchant accounts, you know, we're using, you know, Stripe now, um, it's not high risk, uh, and we're so we don't fall into the issues with chargebacks. You can't re- legally you can't even return your um, your medications anymore, so we don't have to really worry <laughs> about all that mess. And uh, and now I I actually feel good about the treatments and, and the products that I'm actually selling. Um, and so I guess that's really what I would have done. I mean, I would have started earlier um, and, and pivoted. To you know, that what I'm doing with DapperCare. Care, I, I think you know it's a more long-term viable solution. Um, and rather than, you know, I think it, it's really easy when you're when things are pranking and you, you're everybody's excited. You know, you tend to just act on your you know, mm. just whatever's happening in the moment. But sometimes you just gotta slow down a little bit, reevaluate, um, or this is another thing i didn't have any advisors then and now i have lots um and i think sometimes advisors can be detrimental but i wish i had them back then because i could have had an outside opinion look at the whole situation go dude you're you're gonna you're gonna implode here pretty
0: soon so yeah yeah well um yeah, hindsight, brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's hey, going on right there, right there brother. So yeah. listen, yeah. What's your advice, bud, to other entrepreneurs or CEOs about, you know, the importance of failing, like going through these hardcore processes of failure when we're building companies? What's your advice to them?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's you know, I, I've heard you say it too, but it's it's you know, um my actually my motto. For uh, branding, my marketing company is always, you know, is that um, everybody passes failure on the way to success, mm-hmm. and it it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's when um, everybody does. It's but the key is to just you know learn from your mistakes and move on, and and don't dwell on it. I mean, when I was younger, and I, I had I was you know, I I had a couple of exits when I was um young, I started my first company, when I was 15 at my first exit when I was my senior year of college. But so I thought, you know, I was untouchable at first. But, you know, and, and then I had a company, you know, implode on me back then, um, in like 2003 or four, and it really dragged me down for like a couple of years, because I just was dwelling on it. And you can't do that anymore. You just I I couldn't, can't. So I just, you know, that's why and I know I've got I really learned from that because like I literally used my epic failure um in twenty twenty as um fuel to actually, you know to actually jump start Dapper and, and get this thing cranking. So and that's really the what's the driving force. So mm-hmm
0: yeah i was the same man i moved to london when i was 19 started a record label i always had like music and business those are my two things and then i sold that company when i was 26 and then i also thought like, any basically if you tell any 26 year old entrepreneur that, that they can walk on water they'll believe you you know especially if they haven't failed um and then of course I, i'll bet my reason why i'm saying this is i i, I did the exact same thing i, I was like fuck you know I'm a failure, and you dwell in yeah. it, and this and that, and you beat yourself up, and you castrate yeah. yourself, and then you actually, and then when you get older, and you, I don't know, you know, now, but like I'm forty-four, and and yeah, I, 40, I, I have zero, uh, like I, I give zero fucks about yeah. if a business dies. It's just a business. Like I care about the people that it impacts, absolutely, yeah. But as as far as the is concerned, don't right. care. Don't yeah, care.
1: no, and, you know, and the other thing is, is that you stop caring. You always think that. What are other people going to think of you? You know, you're going to be the laughing stock and stuff. And when the older you get, you realize no one gives a shit. No
0: one does. You know, I mean, it's it's yesterday's news. That's it. So, mm, mm, absolutely, dude. Well, look, yeah. um, let's uh, quickly talk about uh, books, tools, and resources. What do you recommend?
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean. I'm a avid reader, you know, but it's funny, I was when I was watching the podcast yesterday, some of the other ones, um, I've literally I think I've read every single book that people mentioned in in the last ones. (laughs) So nothing really new, exciting. Um, But I do I mean, I, I read a book, or I listen to a book every week. That's kind of what my it has been for a long time. And I'm big into like self help. And, you know, I guess it kind of, I pivot all over the place, depending on what my interests are, you know, like, I was listening to like, human lie detector, you know, type of books. <laughs> and uh, startup and, you know, now I'm into more like, um, mental focus and Zen type stuff. I mean, I tools, I think, you know, like, what really helps me is like, you you, it's so easy to get caught up as an entrepreneur and like, it's it's totally consumed. And now I have two little kids, five and seven and a wife. And it's like, um, you're gonna have burnout if you don't uh, have an outlet, you know, if you don't, you're not taking time, like I, I work really late, I'm up till three o'clock in the morning every night, but it's like, but I always block off my schedule from, you know, six until roughly 10 o'clock it's phones off focusing with my kids, downtime, re- eating, whatever. You gotta have that. Otherwise, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make
0: it. You're just gonna burn out. Yeah. So, yep. Mine's uh, every Friday, I don't take meetings. Um, and then I go ride my uh, KTM in the Rockies. <laughs> oh, man. Sounds amazing. I yeah, love it. That's my thing, man. But uh, no, yeah. And then obviously in Colorado, it's the snowboarding and what have you. you know, yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. love it out there. Yeah. yeah, but I hear what you're saying, man. I hear what you're saying well david uh, incredible story man um and uh, obviously congrats on moving into dapper care it's a very important problem that you're creating value in and um yeah man just uh congrats on you know all, all your yeah. all your successes and failures let me put it that yeah, way yeah. <laughs> man i appreciate it man yeah anytime everybody else we'll see you again soon cheers for now Take care.